Welcome to Thursday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live on Giants.com. I'm Paul Tatino with Super Bowl champion Jeff Fiegels. Please feel free to reach us on Twitter via hashtag GiantsChat or directly at GiantsWFAN and at JFiegels. All agreements mentioned on this show are unofficial. They're only according to the attributed reports for each player, and each of them are contingent upon the players passing a physical whenever that is scheduled. Mr. Fiegels, hmm. this is your first entry into the week of taped podcasts. Uh, yeah. Good afternoon, and hope all is well. All is real well. I mean, we are hunkered down here like uh, everybody else is, and I just you know wish everybody the best of luck with all of that stuff. I know we're in a, a really... One of those times of, you know, there's a lot of things going on. So we're fortunate to be able to talk sports here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. And, Paul, just glad to be with you. And a lot going on in the sports world. But more importantly for the Giants, we're excited about things that are happening. Well, fans, we appreciate your patience and, of course, your loyalty to the program. So stick with us. We've got a lot to talk about today. Some more reported transactions for the Giants. A couple of others around the league, one of which should be very interesting to those high on the NFL drafting list. Uh, that, of course, being the Detroit Lions, who reportedly made a very big trade today, which could impact what they might want to do with their uh, number three draft choice. And uh, maybe a little surprise or two along the way. We'll have to check on those things. But first of all, let's start with what has happened over the course of the last 24 hours, Jeff. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Giants have agreed to contract terms with free agent offensive tackle Cam Fleming, according to NFL Network's Mike Garofolo. The agreement is contingent on Fleming passing his physical, which will take place on a date yet to be determined. He is 27 years old, 6'6", 320 pounds, a two-time Super Bowl champion, spent the last two years with the Dallas Cowboys, but of course earlier uh, had spent four years uh, where Joe Judge was with the New England Patriots. Well, I think that, you know, we've all been talking about the offensive line and you know, all these other signings that have come down, linebackers and special teams guys and defensive linemen, and we're sitting there all asking ourselves, okay, where are the offensive linemen? Um, and eventually they were going to get to him, and they did with Cam Fleming. You know, here's a guy that um, is has been a starter for a period of time, not a consistent starter. Um, from my notes here, he started ten times at each the left and the right tackle, so he's your prototypical swing tackle, Paul. But, you know, the Giants, they go out, and so what does this mean for Mike Remmers? You know, is this a guy they're going to compete or they're going to bring back? I don't know. Um, but the fact is, is that we've talked about the offensive line, and I think I feel like this is a guy that is going to be asked to compete. Um, maybe it's with a guy that gets drafted this year that comes in and the best man wins, but he's definitely got some experience. And obviously Joe Judge knows him from his days in New England, and also Jason Garrett knows him from his days in the Cowboys. So, I think this is a good signing for them. It gives them some versatility, um, be able to work on both sides of the line, Paul, and he is a big dude. I know the one thing about this guy is he is extremely intelligent. Um, he's able to be able to pick up offenses quickly. Um, he's very smart. He's durable, and you just mentioned he is a big boy. Um, and he's also and, – and remember this, folks, Paul. I think you, you will agree with me when I talk about this. The Joe Judge is trying to not only build a football team, he's trying to build a culture. He's trying to bring in guys that he understands and knows that are going to be good for the team in the locker room. I have been told that Cam Fleming is one of those guys. 
Well, I think it's very interesting when you refer to his versatility, Jeff. Uh, he has actually taken snaps in this league in both guard spots and both tackle spots and also been the jumbo tight end Yeah. when when the Patriots went to their large package. So he's been all over that front line. In fact, made 26 career starts over 75 career games, if you include not only his time with the Patriots but also with the Cowboys. And by the way, you talk about smart – came out of Stanford as a fourth-round pick in 2014. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> we know those Stanford guys but, know what they're doing. But, too, Paul, I mean, yes, this is a guy that can pick things up quickly. So that's why he has, you know, been able to play every position. It's not, Nothing's going to get by him as far as, you know, the learning curve. He's going to pick things up quickly. So that is an asset to any offensive lineman. When you talk about how smart they are, because you know how versatile every one of those guys needs to be. Now, they don't need to play every position, but you would like them to play at least a couple in case something did happen. Now, one thing that's nice, and we're going to get off the subject a little bit here, but with the new CBA, Paul, you know you're now going to be able to have that extra offensive lineman on game day in case something like this happened where you have to insert a guy in there. It's almost like that third quarterback thing. So I'm sure we'll get into all those new rules and regulations for the CBA at another time, but this is an important time for the offensive lineman to be able to get a jersey on game day. So it's important. Well, I believe the rule says you have to have eight offensive linemen activated. Mm-hmm. And, you know, beforehand, uh, before this was, it was usually was in, seven, right? I mean, usually seven. Yeah. Usually I mean, seven. Yep. And if, it, and if it, anything ever happened um, where you had to find a, you usually had one of those tight ends come in and play. Um, and I'm not going to pronounce his name, the new guy we got, but from another Stanford guy. Toy Lolo. That's Toy Yolo. Okay. Toy Lolo. That's pretty easy. Toy Yolo. Okay. All right. Well, we'll go with that one. Um, he, you know, he's a guy that you're going to be able to insert in and play an offensive line position if that ever happened, because he's done that in the past, reading about what, uh, all about him. Um, he's a guy that has filled in, I believe it was in Atlanta when they, was it Atlanta that he came from, Paul? He was a former Falcon at one That's point, right. most so recently with the 49ers. But again, Jeff, we have to read the disclaimer. This is all about legalities. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Giants agreeing to contract terms sure. with, uh, Toy Lolo, Levine Toy Lolo, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter. That agreement is contingent on him passing a physical again, uh, which would take place at a date yet to be determined. Go ahead. Perfect. Yep. Yeah. No. Exactly. Right. So when when he does, if he does get here and he passes his physical, which all these guys need to do, which really, when you talk about it, we, that could be something. It could be you know a few weeks away or maybe a month away. But the bottom line is that the new year has started and free agency started, and we can talk about all these things. But like, like you said, Paul, none of them are official. Um, until things happen like that. But, you know, he's a guy that could fill in as an offensive lineman if you need him in that jumbo tight end, you know, jumbo package thing, if you will. Well, let's continue with the uh, supposition that the Fleming deal at some point would become official, the reported Fleming deal. The Giants then, um, you know, if you go with the incumbent starters of Solder at left tackle, Hernandez at left guard, uh, I guess Pulley will be in a competition at center with somebody else they they will likely bring in. Uh, then you look at Zeitler at right guard. And now you have the possibility of Fleming at the least being a competitor mm-hmm. at the right tackle spot 
much like Mike Remmers was when he came in, the idea was, well, you know, if he starts, he starts. If he earns it and deserves to start, fine. If somebody beats him out, he becomes the swing tackle. I think in reality, that's what Fleming becomes now. Either Mm -hmm. he becomes the starter because he's good enough to win it right now, or through a competition, if a rookie comes in and beats him out, he becomes the swing guy. And no matter how you look at this, the Giants, uh, you know, put themselves in a better position. Of course, now this all supposes that Mike Remmers, who is a veteran unrestricted free agent, uh, is not back. We do know that there had been an Internet report by Pro Football Talk. They were supposing he was going to follow uh, Coach Shermer. Uh, who is now the offensive coordinator with the Denver Broncos. And, of course, Remmers has history. He had mm-hmm. played at one time in Denver. Uh, the thinking there was that he would la- land with the Broncos. I have not seen any such follow-up, so I don't know where Remmers plans to play this year. Yeah, I mean, obviously I think that this is a move by the Giants that says it signifies that this is, this is our guy that's going to be a starter if he's, like you said, Paul, if he's going to – earn it he's going to be a starter if not he'll be our swing guy that can certainly fill in at any time that we need him um you know when you and i have talked extensively about the draft as far as where each of us want to go with these picks and you know where i want to go um and i think i know where you want to go too but if that if that defensive player is sitting there both of us are not going to argue if you take simmons at the number four pick but i'm still going to ride my hide horse on telling you that i want an offensive lineman and if it is a right tackle of that caliber then these guys are going to work they're going to compete but you feel good about the fact that whoever wins the job you feel good about both of them right paul and whoever doesn't you also feel even better, even if it's Cam Fleming, that he can fill in at any of the other positions. That's well, a good thing. Well, let, let's take this even a step further. Let's say that, that Fleming and Pulley wind up winning those spots. Okay, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Those guys are certainly functional players. You know I'm a Pulley okay. fan. Yeah. But if they don't, then that means the Giants went out and got two stud rookies who are better at each position, and then Fleming and Pulley become really solid backups mm-hmm. at those two positions. And, oh, by the way, can we mention Nick Gates, who is a terrific, terrific, versatile backup along the entire line? Yeah. I mean, listen, typically they, they're ten linemen, right? Ten offensive linemen? Nine, you, nine usually, but I nine, can see them going for ten this but year. But remember, they got an extra roster, two extra right. roster spots now. So, I mean, that could be a tenth. You could have a tenth lineman. Um, and that's a solid backup at each position. Gives you ten players and then eight on game day. So, yeah, this is a plan. This is a plan. But in my, if I'm looking at the grand scheme of things, I'm thinking the Giants are going two offensive linemen, maybe two offensive linemen for sure in this draft. And I don't know how high they're going to go, but I hope one of them is really high, in my opinion. All right. Well, now, I was going to go to the other reported free agent move. But before we do that, I think because it plays into what you were just talking about with the Giants drafting at four overall this year, we need to talk about the other report that has come through via ESPN's Adam Schefter, that the Eagles have made a huge splash sending a 2023rd round pick and a 2025th round pick to the Lions in exchange for corner Darius Slay. Again, a report by ESPN's Adam Schefter. 
Now, that really causes a lot of consternation for those Mm -hmm. who are trying to move up into the top five. We've discussed this ad infinitum. Bengals at one, probably with Burrow. Uh, Redskins at two. Many people think it's young. At three, the Lions. And I've been saying this since BBKL during the combine. This is not a secret now for me. I had been saying all along that the Lions... They would like to take Young at number three, at least based on all the crumbs that I picked up in Indianapolis. If Young is gone, their intention is to go for Okuda, okay? But what they would prefer to do is trade down with the Dolphins at number five, Mm -hmm. see if the Dolphins can come up and go get their guy Tua, and then wind up taking Okuda in the five spot, thinking that the Giants won't take Okuda at four, that they'll go for either Simmons or an offensive tackle. Well, after this trade of Slade to the Eagles, the scenario that I was able to weave together at the Combine seems to hold a lot more logic, doesn't it? (laughs) I, I guess so, Paul. I mean, really, when you talk about it and you listen to what you're saying, it makes sense. But as you and I both know, we have no clue. We have no idea what these guys are going to do, but, you know, it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, Darius Slay is a guy that, you know, he can come into this division and play well. Um, he fits the mold for the NFC's teams. I think that if you're the Giants, you got to start thinking a little bit about maybe what people are going to want to do to get up to our level if it doesn't, if it doesn't, if you don't trade with Detroit. Now, listen, I, you, you can't have enough good cornerbacks in this league, right? So, I mean, does, what do you do? Do you go back to Detroit, go and get still stay with Akuda? Because they, they need a new guy, right? Well, they did reportedly, again, according to the, the uh, network reports out there, agree to terms with free agent uh, Desmond Trufant on, yeah. on Wednesday. But, but I don't think you would consider him a frontline guy right now. No, I would listen from all what you we've seen about Jeff Okuda. This guy's a player. This guy is a, a potential shutdown corner. Um, you know, he doesn't get a lot of penalties. He's he's a good good player, and I don't see why not that you would take him. Um, but you know, listen, there's a lot of people trying to get up, and I think that the Detroit Lions are in a good spot, and I think that the Giants are in a good spot. They really are, Paul, when you think about this. They can they can maneuver their way down a few just to get some other draft picks. So we'll see what happens, and it's exciting. It's um, You know, we know that the draft supposedly is going to happen sooner or later, so just get excited about it, and when it comes here, we'll we'll deal and see. But I like the situation that the Giants are in right now at, num- at, the, at number four. No doubt about that, Jeff. They have so many logical ways that they can go. It's yeah, and it's going to change constantly because oh, no there's going to be guys, you know, free agency, as you know, Paul, there's a there's a just a wave of things that happen immediately, right? You know, and all of these, uh, the, the legal tampering period comes out and then all of a sudden then the free agency starts and then all of a sudden it slows down a little bit. So it'll give you a little bit of an idea of where these players are falling and how these teams are building their team for 2020. So, um but we don't know what they're thinking, and that's why this whole thing, when it comes to the draft, the positioning, it changes as, as, as daily when we're getting reports of players changing teams, and that affects the draft in some way. Kind of like the sands of the hourglass. That, that, <laughs> Are that, the days of our lives. <laughs> uh, as the world turns, it really is a soap opera. There's yeah. just no other way to explain it. Uh, all right, Jeff, let's move on to segment number two. 
The Giants and safety special teamer Nate Ebner have agreed to terms on a one-year contract, according to NFL Network's Ian Rappaport. The agreement is contingent on Ebner passing his physical, which will take place on a date yet to be determined. Ebner, a three-time Super Bowl champion, 31 years old, sixth-round pick out of Ohio State in 2012, uh, spent his entire career with the Patriots under Joe Judge, who was his special teams coach, and five times had at least 10 or more special teams tackles in a season. And, you know, he is this is the one that this is this is impressive to me when we uh when we get news of these guys we go and do a little bit of our research and we all come up with little nuggets and this and that and this really isn't a nugget this is this people know about this but the fact that he was on the 2016 olympic team as a rugby player if you remember back in the day when the patriots went out and got this guy everybody was like well here's bill belichick bringing people from all over the place right we got a rugby player that now that's going to come into the united to the nfl well he he came into the nfl and he stayed and they found a position for him. Um, and obviously Joe Judge loves this guy. Um, you know, you and I were talking about this before we came on the show today, that this is a lot like a Michael Thomas signing, okay, for the Giants a few years ago. Um, this is Nate Ebner is that guy. He's a safety, but he doesn't play a lot of safety. In fact, I don't know how many snaps he really got in uh, last year or years before, but he's predominantly a special teams guy. Um I have been told that he is an extremely hard worker, a good another, another good locker room guy, a guy with a lot of character, a lot of guys like him. And again, this falls in the in this what we're talking about building culture, building that locker room with good guys. This is something that Joe Judge wants to do. Well, he knows Nate Ebner um, can do that. So um, listen, this guy is a solid performer. He's a guy like Cody Core who's always around the football. He may not make every tackle but you kind of see his name and his number around the football constantly very athletic paul he plays rugby he's got to be tough he's got to be fast <laughs> he's got to be just you know just a guy that can is very athletic and by the way um you know he got hurt he tore his acl by running a fake punt um and by the way he finished the game after that so that just tells you how tough the guy is we should remind folks that the Giants and wide receiver and special team standout Cody Kaur, uh reached an agreement on a two-year contract extension, according to a report by yeah. NFL Network's Tom Pelissero. So, Jeff, you know the Giants had a Pro Bowl special teams guy in Michael Thomas a couple of years ago. Of course, there was a connection that brought him from the Miami Dolphins. And now we've got this Patriots connection between Judge and Ebner, which obviously personal preferences will always go according to past history with certain players. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't doesn't look like there's a lot of room for Michael Thomas to come back to the Giants. I don't think so, because, you know, you did see Michael Thomas play some safety, and he did it well, by the way, when there were some injuries. But predominantly, he was a special teams guy, and I think that Ebner's your guy now. So I, I don't think that... Um, you know, the writing's on the wall, a lot like Mike Remmers and the Cam Fleming situation, right? Familiarity always wins. These coaches know these players. They know their work ethic. They know their systems. And they know their, their accountability. They know what type of people they are. Um, so that's why they bring these other players with them. And not only does Judge, Judge do it, but all the other coaches around the league. I mean, there's rumors that, like you said, that Mike Remmers might follow, um, you know, Coach Shermer to Dallas, I mean, to Denver. It's the same thing, right? I mean, he came from the Minnesota Vikings, too. So these are situations that always kind of play out. But I think Michael Thomas, we don't know. But I, I would imagine that this is Nate Ebner signing 
is a lot like the Michael Thomas sign a few years ago. Yeah, that certainly makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, also, well, we should tell people uh, that the Giants, back on Friday, March 13th, again, in case you're, you're not keeping track of all of these things, they did announce that they had agreed to contact uh, contract terms contingent on the passing of a physical uh, with linebacker David Mayo. Who also happens yeah. to be a pretty darn good special teams guy. Yeah. So the Giants have clearly made sure that Joe Judge has the tools to work very uh, well with his special teams here in New York. Well, listen, you know what? Um, you got to win, and this is part of it. And I think that Joe Judge knows this is the type, this is the area of the game that he can that he can add to the value of this football team going forward. And this is knowing the guys that are playing good special teams. It's a third of the game, Paul. You know, we talk about it all the time. But if you have solid, solid special teams. Now, you look at the Giants the last couple of years under Thomas McGahee and Coach Quinn. Um, these guys have put together a really good special teams unit year after year. They're going to do it again this year. So with, with Mayo and Core and guys like Ebner and, you know, some of the even the young other linebackers that are on this team, because those are really your linebackers, your receivers, okay, your fullback, a couple D linemen in your, in your kickoff return team. But those are your core special teams guys. And I was reading Twitter the other day, and somebody was commenting on Ebner, and they was, the question was asked, how many good core special teams guys do you need on a team? And it was a question mark. So it was a little bit of a, like, really? Why are we signing these guys? But – Paul, I think you know, you need quite a few of them. And in my opinion, you need good four or five guys that are just core, good special teams that play all the positions. And they also could come in and sub for their normal position, whether that's a receiver, you know, a linebacker, um, a fullback, a tight end was another guy. Not tight ends always play special teams. You can't have enough of them. That's for sure. Well, let me ask you this, Jeff, because I did get a tweet earlier today uh, where a, a guy said to me, well, with the rules changes that they've had on special teams recently, he doesn't necessarily know if there should be as much of an emphasis on special teams. What would be your answer to him? <laughs> I would tell him, why not? I mean, it's still part of the game. You're not taking the kickoff away. You're not taking the field goal away, are you? There's still You have to still play the play. There's the you know your core four special teams plays, uh, aside from the the extra point and extra point block team. You got your kickoff, kickoff, return, pump, pump, return. Those are your big four, right? Those you have to pay attention to because every one of those are big plays. They can have block kicks. You can have returns. You can have onside kicks, things like that, you know? So, no, you can't just – you have to pay attention to them just as much as you did in the past as you do just because they're lining up 10 yards apart from each other and, you know, like the U.S. – what is it, the XFL, that kickoff? I think that eventually, in my opinion, the, the NFL is going to go to that kickoff. That, that is a true – in fact, that's the way that we've always practiced the kickoff, Paul. Mm-hmm. You probably have, have seen it at training camp. You usually do special teams first, right, to eliminate – well, first of all, to eliminate the 50 or 60 yards running down the field on a kickoff, but, you know, it eliminates contact. And you're now 10 yards away rather than running 50 yards away and, and contacting the other opposing player. So I think you'll see that eventually go. Um, but you have to pay attention to every single one of those special teams plays because they're a big part of each each game. They all really right. are. Well, let's stick with special teams, Jeff, because back on March 16th, 
the Giants not only announced a uh, franchise tag, an exclusive franchise tag on defensive tackle Leonard Williams, and I, I certainly want to get a quick comment from you on him, but we need to tell people that the Giants also announced that on that day they made a qualifying offer, a second-round tender, to place kicker Aldrich Rosas, a restricted free agent who was obviously going to be looking for a bounce-back season. And you know what? Listen, this is this is big, and I'll tell you why. Okay, so first of all, you know, a second-round tender, meaning that any other team can match that offer, right? And if he does, if the Giants don't match that offer, then they would get a second-round draft pick. That's what the second-round tender means, right? Now, yeah. when you talk about production, we talk about just go back two years ago and Aldrich, the year that he had, okay, amazing year. Second-team All-Pro, he went to the Pro Bowl um, last year. A little bit of problems, but I will tell you this because I know this is my specialty, not kicking field goals, but I know that this combination of the snapping, the holding, and the kicking, it all has to mesh together. It's one beautiful thing, and when one of one is off, it throws everyone off. And we all know that last year the snapping was a little bit of uh, inconsistent with Zach Diossi. That threw Aldrich Rojas off. I believe that he is going to come back and have another good year, I also believe that the Giants are probably going to have some real strict competition at the snapping position this year. Mm-hmm. I'm not 100% sure who they're going to bring in or who they're going to draft, or, but there will be some competition there because they want to get that, the snap, the hold, and the kick back to, to normal because I think that Rojas, he's got the heck of a football leg. I mean, he kicks the ball like you know how he does, Paul. It's amazing to me, and I feel like he's the kind of guy when everything is going well with him, everything's going to be well. But when something is compromised a little bit, like the snapping, just like any kicker in the league, they're thrown off a little bit, and they're perfectionists. Everything's got to be perfect for these guys. That's that's kickers. Punters, no, we're a little bit better than that. We should remind folks, Zach Diasi <laughs> is an unrestricted free agent right now and coming mm-hmm. off uh, uh, various back injuries over his career and also the knee injury this yeah. past year that landed him on injured reserve. Do not know exactly what the future is for him. We certainly wish him well no matter what he decides to sure. do. Sure, what a great giant. Oh, I mean, a terrific years. giant. 199 yeah. career games. I and mean, again, you know, we talk about leadership and you talk bowler. about character and you talk about guys in the locker room. That that was Zach Diossi. You know, he just he came to work every single day, did his job, did it well. Players loved him. The organization loved him. Um, and he was he was a good one. You know, and unfortunately, I think at times in this league, what happens, Paul, you know, this is the fact that injuries catch up to guys that get in their 30s. This game is not meant for a lot of guys to play in their 30s. Now, if you're a kicker, a punter, a snapper, somebody, maybe a second team quarterback that never picks any snaps. Yeah, you can get away with that. But or if you're Tom Brady, I guess. Right. Yeah, really. Uh, we should also mention that Riley Dixon, by the way, who has been the holder mm-hmm. uh, since he has come here to the Giants, you have often said to me as we've watched games together, what a terrific job he did. So even though the Giants operation was inconsistent last year, yeah. uh, I got the opinion from you that Dixon was really stellar in, in taking care of those holds. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that a lot of there probably would have been a lot more misses from Aldrich if, if, um, if he had not done a good job at getting the football down, you know, because you got to understand kickers are going to a spot on the field. So and that spot is where the holders fingers are on the ground. Right. So in the NFL, you can't use anything. You got the fingers is your spot. So the, the kicker looks at that spot and when his hand leaves, 
most of the time the ball is hitting that spot that his finger's on. But if the snap is compromised, it's low, it's high, it's outside, um, it's faster than usual, it's slower than usual, it compromises the whole operation. So the Riley may take the ball and put it two inches in front of that spot, which affects the kick. It might If you put it two inches behind the ball, the, now the, the, the foot is getting to the ball earlier, which makes it go to the right. The kick will move, miss to the right. That's why the, the holder is so important to the kicker that the ball has to be on that spot every single time. Now, you talk about the laces being out or in or whatever. Kickers can get through the ball with the laces being behind them. They don't really ever kick the laces because they kick so far underneath the football. But it's more important to get the ball on the spot than it is of having the laces out or behind you. So when you see a kick miss way right or way left, I can tell you this, most of the time that football has been placed down on the spot and it's been compromised. It's either been put in front or in back or to the left or to the right because these guys have a – you see where they take their little three steps back and two steps over. They do that for a reason because they're creating the angle to the football to give them the best chance to make the kick. So when that ball is put on the wrong spot, it's all messed up. Well, for you folks who may not remember, I know a lot of young folks uh, are listening to podcasts all the time. Jeff Fiegels was an outstanding holder for the Giants in addition to being a Hall loved of Fame it. caliber punter. I love to hold. You know why? A couple reasons. Number one, I, I believed in teamwork, right? We got the snapper, the holder, and the kicker, and we got to work out at practice all the time. So that was kind of we had we had tons of reps together. But the other thing is, is rather than getting in just four four snaps a game, five snaps a game, I got to get into the game a little bit more. So I got to go out there and hold for extra points, hold for field goals. The the one part I didn't like was when you're going to play in sub-zero temperature holding field goals. That was not fun. But all of the other, other things Green Bay, Green Bay. <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. Yeah, not a fun day other than us winning the NFC Championship that day. Other than that, that was not a fun day. All right. Now, I did mention momentarily uh, about the Leonard Williams uh, situation with the Giants. They gave him the exclusive franchise tag. Also should mention that on uh, Wednesday, the Giants informed safety Antoine Bethea they would not exercise his contract option for the 2020 season. Jeff, you haven't had a chance to be on the program since these two transactions. A couple of quick moments uh, on them. Well, it kind of goes back to what I was saying a little bit about players following coaches, right? I mean, Antoine Bethea was another guy that played under Coach Betcher. You know, it just made sense for him to come here. Um, here's a guy that we talked about playing into your 30s. Well, this guy was well into his 30s. 35. A, cons- a consummate pro. I mean, this guy, you gotta, you got to take your hat off to him. Um, you know, I hope he continues to play, but if not, he's had an amazing career. Um, he brought leadership to the position. He did everything he could to help that defense. Um, you saw how durable he was. He's a good tackler. Um, and again, it's just time, father of time catches up to some of these players, you know, and new, new coaches that come in. They're just, they don't see the same thing. So I think that's the situation here. I think that Patrick Graham is going to run a totally different defense and they just don't seem to think that they, he's going to fit into this. And also his age has to come into it. And by the way, not only do the Giants do this, everybody does this. At times when you're trying to find some extra money to go out and sign guys like a Nate Ebner or a Cam Fleming of that port, where you've already spent a lot of money in special, on, uh, on free agency, you got to find some money. 
And this, you know, he Antoine was making a little bit of money, and they went out and said, you know what, we're not going to re-sign him, and we saved some money there, and we're going to bring it over and give it to somebody else. That's exactly what happened here. Yeah, to finish your thought about the connection between players and coaches, but they had played under James Betcher uh, in Arizona. Betcher now no longer the Giants' defensive coordinator, and so that connection had been lost. Yeah, and that's what happens. That's certainly what happens. Um, and, you know, you look at a guy like Marcus Golden, who thrived under Coach Betcher's system, both in Arizona and here with the Giants. And um, there's another example of a player following the coach to a system that he feels comfortable with. All right, so Leonard Williams gets the tag. Jeff, we've talked about this a lot over the last several months, and you know I was certainly in favor of having him back. Well, I, I think that a lot of us were because I think that as much as we've talked about him and what's come with him, right, I mean what we gave, what the Giants gave up to get him, um, I, I think that you knew it was inevitable that he was going to get signed. It was just a matter of which tag was going to be assigned to him. And this made a, the CBA was a big part of this. And, you know, they give him the franchise tag. They give him the non-exclusive tag, which means that, you know, he, he's able to negotiate with other teams. But if somebody wants to take him away, that they're going to give up two first-round draft picks. Not that we've never seen that happen before, but most likely that's not going to happen. So you know he's going to stay with the Giants. You know that the team is going to try to do a deal with him. But the bottom line is, and Paul, you had said a few weeks ago, um, you know, where where are they going to designate him as an, as an edge rusher or an interior lineman? And they go with the interior lineman, which saved them a little bit of money. But I think in the long-term effect here, they want to try to have him come back on a long-term deal. But if they can't, they at least got him for this season, and he fits in well with this defense. And I think that Patrick Graham has got to be pretty happy about the guys that he has on that front line of that defense right now, and, and he's, he's coming up with some creative ways to, to make those guys play well. All right, Jeff, let's go to Twitter because we do. Yeah, we got Twitter because we can, right, Paul? It's what we have right now. We don't have phone lines, so we do have Twitter. So always try to hit us up at hashtag Giants Chat or, again, directly to us at Giants WFAN or at Jay Fiegels. Michael Stewart says he enjoys the show and wants to know, A, do you think the Giants are strongly considering to trade back? Uh, B, who do you think they would take it for? And C, would uh, Gettleman try to get back into certain rounds? For example, uh, the third round, he has the compensatory because of uh, of the free agency formula, but he does not have a standard third-round pick. Uh, so he's asking C, would the Giants try to get maybe somewhere into the natural third round? Uh, again, that's three questions in one, Jeff. Do you want to take a shot? <laughs> I'll take a shot. I mean, listen, I think the Giants ultimately would like to get back into the third round because they're going to be missing. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's maybe 90 slots here, right? I mean, it's no, not 90. They're in the ni- There's a lot of time between that second round draft pick and that third comp- comp- compensatory pick at the very bottom of the third round. It's a lot of picks that they have to watch guys go by. I think it's a good chance that maybe the Giants want to get up there somewhere and capture some of that some of those players in the top of the third round. But what's that going to take? Well, it's going to take maneuvering down in the first round a few and maybe to get some of those. So I think to answer your A, B, and C question is, number one, I think it's all it all determines on who goes in front of them and where they feel like they can still get some guys that they want by trading down, and then that would give them the opportunity to pick up some third round, higher third round draft pick, maybe even a second rounder in there. Um, who? I don't know. I, I don't. I have no idea because of the maneuvering that's going to go on. All right. And 
I ask you this, Jeff. You know, if if the Giants, let's say, had the same grade okay. on on the impact defensive player and let's just say the top offensive tackle on the board when they're picking it four, how much do you place the need for that defensive impact player against the need for a potential starting offensive tackle before making your decision? Well, I think that the way that this is all set up, it kind of talks to you a little bit, in my opinion, as far as how the league does this, right? Um, A lot of people would think, why don't we do the draft first and free agency second? But that's not the way it works. So I feel like you can get a little bit of a roadmap out of what's happening in free agency from teams that gives you a little bit of an idea of what they're thinking maybe in the draft. And to me, I know that the signing, okay, of Cam Fleming doesn't like, you know, there's not bells and whistles and fireworks going off that this is a huge signing. Again, Jeff, we do have to legally tell people that. Yes, Cam I, Fleming, I apologize for that. Yep. Yeah, if he does know, get, if he does come here and he passes his physical and. And again, agreeing to contract terms yeah. based on a report from NFL Network's Mike Garofolo. Understanding that. And if that is the understanding, then I feel like, you know, that the offensive. And, be, and again, any free agents that the Giants are supposedly going to sign and if they pass the physicals at the defensive position, particularly linebackers, because we're talking about Simmons in the draft, I feel like the offensive line, to answer your question, Paul, is the one that they're going to go for. That's yeah. what I feel. Yeah. I, I, I tend to think that based on the reports out of Indianapolis, and we've discussed this on the show in the past, I think there are still red chip offensive tackles available at the top of the second round. The Mm -hmm. Giants will be picking at 36 overall. Uh, I think if the grades are equal, I could see them taking Simmons and then going for a red chip starting offensive tackle at number 36. And I, okay, listen, I, I, I don't disagree with you. It's not that I want. I, you know me. I want the offensive tackle. That's and, who and, I want. And, and you know me. I'm a trenches yeah. guy first. Yeah, and so I know it's, that. It's I know hard that. for me to say this, but I could see the logic. I, total logic. And here's the other reason why it could be, it could be true is because the depth at offensive line this year, right? I mean, there is a lot of, like you said, red chip guys that you might be able to get that you normally wouldn't if the depth wasn't there at that position. Right. All right, uh, so that's that question. We go to another question here on Twitter, and this one comes from BC the Grim. <laughs> says, well, yeah. you know, Twitter's a very creative forum. You yes, understand? It is. He says uh, he's talking about pass rushers, and he's trying to take a page out of my book. I, I like to term the premier pass rushers who command double teams as Batman, and the 1A pass rushers, I like to term them as Robin. So he says you don't need a Batman and Robin. A team of Teen Titans, he's really going to DC Comics here, will work just as well. Uh, And I do get it, uh, BC the Grim, the Teen Titans, uh, a collection of uh, of folks who uh, do superhuman feats. Uh, He obviously also looking at the uh, fact that the New England Patriots who have not really had a Batman pass rusher in recent years, have relied on a collection of guys and the scheming ability of Belichick and their defensive staff Mm -hmm. to apply the necessary pressure uh, in conjunction with a really good back seven. 
Your well, thoughts? Uh, I, I think he's spot on. I think he's spot on there. Um, you know, you look at the, look at some of the the free agent signings. Suppose you know what's the term I have to use here, Paul? The guys, if they you know the the the, re, the reported agreements. Okay, reported agreement of guys. I mean, we're talking about we're working on the back seven, right? I mean, we're working on that. Um, the Giants' defensive, they are building that defense as we speak. Um, and I feel like that because when when Joe Judge stood up there when he got this job and told us that every game is going to be different. Well, that is so Belichickian, if, if you, you know what I mean. They do that, and that's what he's going to do here. So, But you got to have some guys in the, in the back end that can cover, that when they get creative with their rushes and their blitz packages, that you got a lot of confidence in those guys covering those receivers and tight ends. So I think that he's right on, absolutely. All right, we have another a Twitter interaction here. Uh, NYG Pete says... He doesn't think the defense is still very good yet. Uh, says Giants lost 50% of their sacks from last year. Still gaping holes at slot corner and inside linebacker. Says the pass rush is non-existent. Need more talent. Um, George Gibbons replies, you said we were resigning Golden. And then NYG Pete says he thinks they are, but doesn't know yet. And at the timing of this taping, Marcus Golden is still an unrestricted free agent. And then Michael Manucci comes in and says, unless Dave Gettleman is trying to execute a trade of some sort, the offseason has just started, so there is some time here. Uh, we, don't, we don't know exactly what the Giants' salary cap status is as we tape this program, but certainly uh, they are reported to have made a number of moves that would drain a lot of the dollars that would have been available based on previous reports. So there does yeah. not seem to be a lot more maneuverability, Jeff. Well, I think that, you know, that's something you have to be careful with because you don't, you're right. We don't know. And now that the CBA has been um, approved and going forward, there's going to be some ways to push money and restructure and things like that. So I think the big thing with cap, folks, is you worry about cash, not cap number, right? I mean, you can always find space by redoing guys deals you just got to worry about where's the cash up front going to come from and that's the biggest thing i i think he's i think he's spot on about being patient originally whatever that timeline was with that tweet but i feel like this is just a process we're early in the process we've got a long ways to go um and i feel like you got to start somewhere and i'm i'm to, and, and paul i don't know if you were on the show with me but i've repeatedly said this about free agency i wanted the big splash one of them and i don't i guess you know, whoever that, whoever you're going to determine that big splash player is, but I wanted a second tier, of wave of players to come in here that you don't kill this, still kill the salary cap, but you're getting good, good players and good guys that can contribute different ways on this team. The Giants are doing that. I, I love what they're doing. Okay, and I think that if they stay on that, but to be patient, you still got the draft to go through. You got guys that you know this. This is long. It's got a long ways before this thing is finished. Again, all agreements mentioned on this show are unofficial. They're only according to attributed reports for each player. Each of them are contingent upon the players passing a physical whenever that is scheduled. Uh, Abjit Patel says, with the reports of Fleming potentially coming to the Giants, I think the Giants move sold at a right tackle and draft a left tackle uh, he says the missing piece is center and could be drafted in the third round. Well, Solder has expressed his willingness to move positions, but quite honestly, Jeff, I don't think that's going to happen. 
I don't think so either. Dave Gettleman has even said, listen, we don't we don't mind drafting over players that are on the roster. But, you know, in this circumstance, I, I don't see it happening either because the fact that, you know, Nate Solder, um, the amount of money he's going to make, you certainly would like to see him stay at the position that he's made the money doing. Um, so I feel like, you know, you keep him there. And um, and I, I think, like I said, I believe I'm going for the two drafts picks at the offensive line, whether it's a center or a right tackle, whatever it is, but keep him there. Keep him there. Um, he plays there until something happens. Um, and you hope that he plays a lot better than he did last year, because if he plays like he did last year, they, he'll be sitting on a bench. <laughs> That's for sure. All right, Jeff, back to Twitter. Lance Meadows says Antonio Hamilton and Michael Thomas are still both free agents. So by re, uh, re-signing, or at least uh, I'm reading his tweet, he says uh, retaining core and Eb- uh, and then adding Ebner, the Giants are looking to maintain what has been a strength, special teams for the team over the last few seasons. Well, th- Lance, thanks for chiming in. <laughs> Lance <laughs> just dying to get on the show. <laughs> More ways than one. <laughs> we, we appreciate that. I, I thought he was off today, but apparently still working. He's he's surfing. You know, he's on but, Twitter. But, but he does he does bring up two names who really contributed heavily to the Giants' special teams last year. Not only Michael Thomas, but we should mention Antonio Hamilton, who oh, did yeah. a really good job getting down in kick coverage. Yeah, and let's not, you know, listen, like I just said, nothing's still an done unrestricted yet. free agent, so you just don't know. That's right. And, again, like I said, nothing's done yet. I mean, if these guys don't find jobs and they want to come back, um, you know, no reason why the Giants, you know, may say to them, hey, come back on a minimum deal. Uh, by the way, the minimum deal is more than you got last year on a minimum deal, right, because everything went up. And who's to say that there's injuries that happen? There's all kinds of things, folks, that go down. That these guys, if they're not on a team now, because they're that this first wave of free agents, you got to be a pretty special player because you're going to dip into the vault to get this money that these teams are giving you. But there's still a lot of free agents out there that are going to find jobs, and I think that those two guys probably will. All right, Adam C. Boots says uh, he wants to know about the deadline to pick up Evan Ingram's fifth-year option. Again, with the new CBA that's being put in place, I don't know what that is. Um, it, it is, though, a situation whereby you do have to, a year before that fifth year is played, you usually do have to, according to the previous CBA, not you usually do, you had to decide whether or not you were going to pick it up in advance. I don't have the specifics on that now based on the new CBA, but we'll see yeah. if we can get that for you down the road. Ingram, of course, coming off of foot surgery, uh, has been off the cart, and uh, the Giants are very hopeful that he'll be able to give them a full season coming up this fall. Uh, yeah. We continue to peruse through Twitter, and let's see here. We have uh, Garrett Kelly says everything is coming into play for the Giants to trade down. He refers to the scenario that I discussed with you before that I came up with at the Combine that the Lions uh, you know, would be targeting Okuda. Uh, and that certainly uh, is a logical avenue for them to go down. I just don't know uh, if, in fact, that will happen. As we know, you have to expect the unexpected with the NFL draft. Fireside Giants says if the Giants can find space to retain Marcus Golden, he would be very happy. Mm-hmm. Ten sacks and 72 total tackles during the 2019 yeah. season. And my goodness, Jeff, he's got a great motor. He never turns the key off. No, he doesn't. And, you know, I, I we talked about this before free agency started. You know, was he going to be one of those players with ten sacks that was going to command the amount of money that he wants? And, 
you know, up to this point, he hasn't been signed. So I guess the answer to that is is no. Um, so then you try, try to think about maybe what the next step is for him. Um, could it be that the Giants go back to him or have they gone back to him and said, listen, this is what – because I will tell you this, and I know this just – I'll tell you exactly because I've seen it when, when I was playing and dealing with my own contracts and things like this. The Giants typically will, will – will, they, they set the market value for those players themselves. They realize that you're, this is what we'll pay you. Um, and if not, then go out and find another deal and, you know, then we'll deal with it then. But, you know, this could be a situation where Marcus Golden, this is what happens with him possibly. You know, the market turns and it's, there's nothing left out there. And all of a sudden, you know, he has a deal in place maybe with the Giants that says we'll pay you this and maybe he could be back. What a great player to have back with the Giants now. I mean, you're getting some, you're getting some sacks. You're also getting a good team guy. And like you said, Paul, a guy with a motor that just will not stop working. And I think Patrick Graham, the defensive coordinator, the new defensive coordinator, loves guys like that. And I think that they could afford him. Maybe they get him back. Who knows? We continue to look at the tweets. And, Jeff, I love the fact that the fan base is going to hashtag Giants chat. They continue to yeah. tweet us. Don't have the ability to take phone calls during well, These this are just like phone calls. Very unique times. And we appreciate all the loyalty that our fans have shown us to continue to participate. Uh, Lewin Tuckwell on Twitter says, what is the expectation for the team this season? He says, I'll accept an 8-8 eight and eight season as being an achievement given all of the changes made. Is this doable? Well, I don't think either one of us would put a, a specific one-loss projection on what the Giants are going to do, especially since we're still so early during the offseason process. But I will say this, Lewin. This Giants coaching staff, the one they have put together, is extremely impressive. And we can find a tremendous amount of logic in the, the roster shakeup uh, that they are at least attempting to implement. How it all comes to fruition and what the final record is, nobody knows. Mm-hmm. But I think it's pretty obvious, Jeff, that this team is going in a dramatic new direction. And it's pretty hard not to get excited about it. Let me tell you something, too. And I, I have failed to mention this, that um, I've got to know Sean Spencer pretty well these last month. of, uh, And I, he's the new defensive line coach. They, they basically call him uh, Coach Chaos. Is In his Penn nickname. State. That's correct. Yeah. Um, he is very impressive. And I believe that he is a guy that's going to come in here, and he's got to be extremely excited to have Leonard Williams back, along with those other young guys. I don't know how much longer we're going to call them young, Paul. They keep getting a little bit older, right? As we <laughs> so <speak> do we. <laughs> but my point is, is that I believe that when you talk about a coaching staff like you just did and you look at Sean Spencer, who came from Penn State, and by the way, a very highly recruited coach to come in here, um, he is going to do wonders with that group because he is a full-fledged fireball like a, the man that just never stops. And he has so much energy. And I feel those guys are going to be bouncing around, and he's going to make a huge impact to that defense. And I think it's going to really mean a lot um, to that front, that you know, the front four, front three, whatever you want to call it, whatever they're going to play. But it's going to help a lot. Trust me. All right, uh, Billy Goat uh, asks, <laughs> "Is it Billy slash Goat or Billy Goat?" Is no, like... it's it's Billy Goat, and then it's at B O Ruiz tweets. But his <laughs> name on the front of his address is Billy Goat. Okay, uh, he says we got a long snapper question mark, 
And I think, you know, as you described earlier, uh, Zach Diossi being an unrestricted free agent, and, and we think, but we don't know, that, uh, you know, he may have decided to close the book and, and, and to uh, do other things with his life. We don't know that for sure. Injuries certainly have caught up to him. Yeah. The Giants uh, do need to figure out if they'd like to bring in a veteran or they're willing to stick with somebody that they already have on their roster. There's going to be competition there. Um, I don't know who it is, but you're going to see it. Um, and I don't think that the Giants are are afraid to go with a young guy because that's a position, guys, that really – it's getting better as we speak. There's guys that since come out of college that now are just doing long snapping. Um, that's their trade. That's their craft. They do it well. I think the, the big distinguishing factor by finding a guy that can snap is that can you get a guy that can snap consistently at both positions? That's the, that's the field goal and the extra point and the punt, right? They do the same thing. I think the extra um, – icing on the cake or the whipped cream or whatever you want to call it is can you get a guy that can cover because Zach Diossi was an outstanding cover uh, long snapper he made tackles so that's where your competition comes in you're going to get a guy you got got a guy that's going to be consistent we talked about the placement and putting the ball down where the holder gets it and puts it down but you want to have a guy that can also cover for you doesn't do you any good if you got a guy that can snap the ball and just stands there you know, you got a guy that can run down and make some tackles, and that's going to be a big factor if, about the guy that they find. Did you see enough out of uh, the gentleman who came off the practice squad last year at the very end of the season, Colin Holba, former 49er and former Jaguar, to think that he will have a legitimate chance to hold off whatever competition they bring in? I, I believe that um, you didn't see enough of him to be able to make that decision, and that's why I believe there's going to be some competition there. So, I mean, if he had if he had been through the whole season and we had a good sample of it, I would I would give you an answer. But I don't think I saw enough to be able to hand him the job. I think that there's going to be a guy that they're going to they're going to have a competition, and you never you never know. They may even draft somebody. Well, I think the Giants certainly are going to do whatever they can to increase competition at every spot. And no on, question, on special, right? <laughs> on special teams especially because Joe Judge has said how many times now, Jeff, everybody has a clean slate. I mean, he's not kidding. He's no. com- he is coming in here, and he is going to evaluate everybody from scratch, and, and you're going to have to earn everything you get from this guy. He's made that very clear to all of us. And believe me, that's okay. I mean, um, players want discipline, Paul. They want structure. They want guys that are coaching them. Um, and you're going to get that. You're going to get that with these coaches here and Joe Judge. So, um, yes, you're going you're gonna to get the competition, and the guy that wins the job is going to earn it. You know that. And, um, but, by the way, once you earn it doesn't mean that you keep it. It's every single practice, every single game. There's constant competition, and that's at this level. That's what it's all about. The guys that last the longest are the guys that compete the best, Okay. I didn't, I didn't last 22 seasons in the NFL because my leg was stronger than everybody's. It wasn't. I knew how to compete. I knew how to perform. And you have to do things under pressure. And you got to do things in front of coaches that when you're not comfortable with it, you need to show them that you're okay with it. All right, Jeff. We finish out today's program by basically advising some folks out there, if you haven't been on the Giants' uh, website or their Twitter page recently, The Giants have uh, worked out a deal. Uh, If you go to Giants.com, you can get more details on it. You can rewatch classic Giants games on YouTube and currently up on the site and available 
Super Bowl 25, obviously the victory against the Buffalo Bills. Super Bowl 42, uh, the one that Jeff Eagles was a part mm-hmm. of when the Giants knocked off the uh, undefeated New England Patriots in historic fashion in Arizona. The David Tyree helmet catch, yes. The 2007 NFC Championship game victory, Lawrence Tynes kicking the winning field goal at overtime out of the hold of one Jeff Eagles. <laughs> and also the 2006 comeback against the Philadelphia Eagles. Remember that one too. Catching that uh, dramatic touchdown pass. Uh, Jeff, I bring this up with you on the line because not only do I invite invite the public to watch these games, I invite you to do the same (laughs) because over the many years that I have done this, I have talked to so many veteran players who tell me they have not gone back and actually watched games in full that they played. They saw cut-ups because they had to maybe Mm -hmm. the next week or the next month or even the next year go back and study certain things in preparation for playing another game. Yeah. But I rarely have heard of guys telling me they have gone back and watched full games in their entirety. Mm. Can you possibly explain to me why? Because nobody can ever tell me. I can't explain to you why. I really can't. The only thing I think you make a good point with, you know, we watch so much um, during during the season. There's so much film that you watch in preparation for week to week to week that you see the games that you played in over and over and over, right? But I guess as you retire, I, I this is just me speaking. Um, I've never really, I don't know. I just have not had the time to go back and look at them. Um, I, I, I mean, I've seen little parts of the Super Bowl before. Um, but, and it's funny because I have people that come up to me and ask me about these games all the time. And, um, and, you know, I know the listeners that did tune into BBK know the game that John and I play on Fridays is, you know, did you play with Jeff Eagles? My memory, as far as that goes, is really tough. Um, just knowing that the guys that were on the roster with me, but, um, some of these games, I have no idea. Like I, I can tell you the 2006 comeback by the Eagle game. I vaguely remember that game, but I couldn't tell you the score. I couldn't tell you how the winning touchdown was scored. And I'll tell you one of the reasons why Paul, and I'm not saying this is a reason why I don't watch the games, but when you're a football player and you're playing in these games, you are so focused on what you're doing, you do not pay attention to the rest of the football game. So that's why I don't remember a lot of the games. I just remember the kicks. I remember the things that I was doing, but I don't remember a lot of the outcomes of the games other than if you win or you lose. But I couldn't even tell you that half the time. Where, where were your eyes when Tynes kicked the winning field goal on that frozen tundra and Lambeau field in the playoff <sighs> game? Did you know as soon as he hit it that it was good? No. Did you not even look? No. No, could, I looked. Could you see from being down in that squat position? Oh. Could you even see it? Well, listen, you know, it's just like anything. If you, if you have a, if you watch a guy hit golf balls for an hours upon hours and upon hours, you know the ball flight of a golf ball when a guy's hitting him, right? You know he's like a, he has a nice little draw or a nice little fade. Well, a Lawrence has a nice little draw, which means a draw means the ball goes out to the right and then it kind of comes back to the left. Well, that kick went to the right. And I knew that it was had to come back to the left. It just had to because everything was perfect there. It was a little bit of a high snap, but luckily Zach had the ball. The laces were perfect, and I was just able to just to come down. And so Lawrence hit it perfectly, um, got it over the line of scrimmage, which is the first step. And then I knew that ball was going to hook, and about three-quarters of the way, there it went. It started coming back to the left and just snuck in there. And that was, but yeah, I saw it all. 
I did. I man, I saw it all, and it was the best. Now I also saw the other ones in that game, and those weren't so good. <laughs> you knew they were not going to be good. <laughs> no, those ones I could tell from the sound. See, when you got your face down there and your head and your ears, and you're hearing that you're so close to the kick, you understand when the ball hits his foot how good or how bad it sounds. And those were bad sounds. And I, when I looked up, they were they were like you know wounded duck going to the left. <laughs> Does the sound also tell you if it's going to have the distance? Because, again, with that yeah. frozen ball, yeah. uh, there were some people who questioned if Tynes would even reach the uprights in overtime. Well, remember, he had I guess that was the longest field goal at that time in the year ever at that stadium, the 48-yarder. So I think that, you know, yeah, you. but that's why you go out to pregame. That's why you understand at the beginning when you're warming up where your numbers are, and you know that the coach knows that. And that's why – Tom Coughlin was so he was so surprised that Lawrence just ran on the field because this was past his number. The number was too far, especially when it was that cold. I mean, the number that day was probably 42 yards, but he's running out for 48 and Tom's going, what are you doing? You know, and he's like, I'm going to kick the field goal. Basically, that's what he was saying to himself. And, you know, because I'm sitting there looking at Tom going, am I going to go in and punt this thing? And, and I think he was about ready to send me in to punt. And all the coaches were like, what is he doing? No field. And <laughs> Lawrence just ran out there. I'm like, well, I better go. I got to hold it. <laughs> so it worked out, boy. Yes, it did. All right. So let me take you to the Super Bowl for a second. Where were you on the sideline, and did you see the Tyree catch with your eyes, or did you have to look at the replay on the scoreboard? And the same thing with the Burris touchdown that won the game. Yeah. Were you well, able to see that with a with a good view? Well, two different scenarios. Okay, so the, the, the play to, to Tyree, okay, um, we're backed up. I'm punting in that situation, right, because it's going to be a third down. So usually on third down, I'm on the sideline. I'm ready to run in. So I'd get my extra kicks in on first down and second down, and, I, and then I run. I walk over to the sideline, and, if it's, and I'm looking for down and distance, third down. If they make the first down, then I go back over to the kicking net and start my drill again. So I saw the Tyree catch. Um, because I was getting ready to go in and punt if it was a it was a third down. I believe it was a third down play. It I, was I, okay. So I was ready for that. So that was up up close in person. I was. I it was actually the play happened in front of me because I was behind it. Um, the Plaxico play. Um, that one I'm just on the sideline waiting because I'm holding field goals right. But we're we're not kicking field goals there. So I was watching that one from the sideline, and um, it was beauty. It was, uh, and by the way, I think everybody knows this. The ball was in the air for five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it was just come, please come down because Plaxico is wide open. Please come down quickly. And, you know, so that was just a great moment. But I, I saw them both. I saw them both close up. All right. Now that they are both on YouTube, will mm -hmm. you go back and watch them? Well, considering what's happening with us being inside, I think there's probably a good chance that i'm going to watch all of those i want to go back and watch the 86 game too i'd like to see some of my old alumni guys that we do stuff together i like to see them play so the next time i see them i can kind of you know get on them for missing a block or doing something stupid in the game so yeah i'm going to go i'm going to watch those paul again you can rewatch full classic giants games on youtube go to giants.com or to the giants twitter page jeff that about does it for today's edition of big blue kickoff live thank you so much for being with me today and good stuff and uh you know i can only say folks uh, we appreciate your participation once again hit us up on twitter at uh, hashtag giants chat 
or directly at Giants WFAN or at Jay Fiegels. You can also, of course, uh, go at Schmelk, one of our other rotating hosts, and at Lance Meadow. And uh, we will continue to do what we can to bring you these podcasts every single weekday throughout the course of this uh, very unique situation as the NFL continues to progress through the course of its off season. That'll do it for Super Bowl champ Jeff Eagles. I'm Paul Tatino, and you've been listening to Big Blue Kickoff Live.